The passage this morning comes from Isaiah chapter 11, and it's verses 1 through 10. A shoot will come up from the stump of Jesse. From his roots, a branch will bear fruit. The spirit of the Lord will rest on him. The spirit of wisdom and of understanding, the spirit of counsel and of might, the spirit of the knowledge and fear of the Lord, and he will delight in the fear of the Lord. He will not judge by what he sees with his eyes or decide by what he hears with his ears, but with righteousness he will judge the needy. With justice he will give decisions for the poor of the earth. He will strike the earth with the rod of his mouth. With the breath of his lips he will slay the wicked. Righteousness will be his belt and faithfulness the sash around his waist. The wolf will live with the lamb. The leopard will lie down with the goat. The calf and the lion and the yearling together. And a little child will lead them. The cow will feed with the bear. Their young will lie down together. And the lion will eat straw like the ox. The infant will play near the cobra's den, and the young child will put its hand into the viper's nest. They will neither harm nor destroy on all my holy mountain, for the earth will be filled with the knowledge of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. In that day the root of Jesse will stand as a banner for the peoples. The nations will rally to him, and his resting place will be glorious. You guys may be seated. All right, if you don't mind, I'd like to use a little bit of this early sermon time to cast a little bit of vision, right? Because uh, whether you uh, want this or not, Loon Mountain Ministry is moving at pretty uh, fast pace. And uh, also Loon Mountain Ministry is a lot bigger uh, than when I first got here. So I am prone to making quick turns. And what I've learned about an organization that is this size, when you make quick turns, things fall over. You know, just like in the car when you slop the, you know, the, the stuff that's in the crock pot on the floor onto the floor. And so I want to be a little bit better of this. I want to be a little bit better of a leader. And so I want you to be in a position where you don't feel like you are unaware of what's going on and why it's going on. And I wish that we didn't have to use Sunday mornings, but the reality of it is Sunday mornings is when we're all gathering. And no matter how much we try to gather some other time to c communicate this, it gets difficult. Like when we did the budgeting uh, meeting, people were like, well, we never heard about it. Well, we announced it for four weeks prior at church. We put it on Facebook for a full week prior. We put it in our, we did a specific email blast for it. Other than that, I really don't know how else to communicate it. Maybe we could do fireworks next time, Drew. Um, let me see if we can fit that in the budget because I'd like to, that'd be kind of fun. Budget meeting. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, um, so what, I'm, what I want to tell you right now is this is really, really cool. And this is not just me selling this to you. Well, you can interpret it that way because I'm Marcus. I sell everything. Come on. Um, I was told by my young elementary school teacher, they're like, Marcus, you could sell ketchup popsicle to white glove ladies. That's what they told me in third grade. I've been saying it ever since. Whoever thought of something, I don't know. But anyway, um, so uh, here's what's going on. This is amazing. You are part of a church that has roughly, on any given Sunday, 40 to 50 adults all right, in rural New England. In this winter season, we are about ready to conduct three different services on the same Sunday in three different locations to three different groups of people. 
There are not very many rural New England church with a group of about 40 adults that are putting on three services in three separate locations to three separate groups of people. That could either exhaust you, frustrate you, or make you go, yeah, I'm part of that team. That's what I'm talking about. That's awesome. On earth as it is in heaven was Jesus' prayer. And when we take that little on earth as it is in heaven, say, mine, my precious. No, I'm going to have only people that look like me and vote like me and, and listen to music like me. And I'm going to just, I'm going to make my little group, right? Like that's not, it's not like that in heaven. Okay. So that's not creating heaven on earth. That's creating your little protected kingdom right? So we are expanding and we're going into all the world, preaching the gospel, baptizing, and, and, and telling people to repent. This is cool. This is the great commission. And Loon Mountain Ministry is embracing what Jesus said on the mountain before he hit the up button on the elevator. We're embracing that. We feel it's true. And so this winter, okay, in a couple Sundays, we're going to go to two services like you saw here. And then there are going to be four times where we do three services. And that means an 8 a.m. service at Waterville Valley, a 9 a.m. service here, and 11.30 service at the mountain. And because God is so good to us, we are not, no longer going to do what Skip Schwartz did in the 90s. And that's he would do a service at Loon at 9 a.m. and then get in his car and drive to Waterville and do a service at 1 in the afternoon. We're not going to do what we did last year. And that's where uh, one of us would go do a service at Waterville at 8 in the morning and then drive to Loon and do a service at 11.30. One of the things that we find is that in each group, one of the things is that the ministry core team that's putting on the service, it's really good if they can hang out and be with the people. And you've all experienced that. Back when we didn't have Drew and back when we didn't have Nathan and uh, it was just me and we were doing two church services. I don't remember those years, but I would say the sermon. I'd be like, well, it was really great to see you. And I'd put my snowboard boots on, run out that door and I'd go to a mountaintop church service. And you'd be like, man, I never even really got to connect with my minister on Sunday. I wanted just to hang out. And then God in his goodness, we started having interns. We moved the service up there to later. Interns would leave the service early, go get things going there. And so we could kind of do that. Well, this winter, it's like, wow, God's incredible. We've got a team, a real, real amazing team, right? And uh, the core of that team, right, the kind of like the leadership staff is myself and Drew and Nathan. And we're very fortunate because we married up. And so in that core group, we have Heidi, Trish, and Eunice, which is pretty awesome. And then, which is incredible, God has brought all you around. And so beyond that core group, we have that core group within each place. So there's a core group here that helps this happen with setup and teardown and music and food, right? And there's a core group up at the mountain with interns and people that are greeting and willing to bring snacks and whatever. And slowly God is developing a core group down at Waterville um, as we do services there. All of that to tell you, once we get going into full swing this winter, Nathan and Eunice are going to kind of be the point people for this lo local service. That doesn't mean you won't see me and Drew anymore. This is our church. You're stuck with me. This is where my family goes to church, okay? So it might mean you'll see me a little less here or there or whatever, but you're still my family and you're still where I want to sit beside and go and worship with you and I want to be held accountable by you. I want to be encouraged by you. I want to do community with you because you can't live without that. This is my church. But Nathan and Eunice are going to be kind of the first to come and the last to leave and making sure the I is dotted and the T's crossed and everyone's going the right direction, all right? 
Drew and I are going to kind of point our focus a little bit more towards the mountain. So you'll see us leave periodically. When I'm not preaching, I'm going to leave early to get up to the mountain and make sure the fire is started and the cabin is unlocked and the table is set up and the chairs are out there and the coffee is ready to go and whoever's playing guitar has got what they need and all that jazz, right? And then there's going to be the Sundays where we're here, Waterville, and there. I'm going to be running with the Waterville service completely. So no, you won't see me. I will be at Waterville at 7 in the morning. And to help build relationships there, I'm going to stay at Waterville all day long. So I'm going to be meeting lifties and groomers and snowmakers and admin and just skiing around and just meeting the people that go to Waterville, right? Nathan and Eunice will be running this church service and they'll be, you know, doing the things that are here. And Drew will be at the mountain at Loon and we will be divide and conquer. Now, if any of those services that aren't here or even this service attracts you to be like, I want to be a core. I want to be someone who makes one of those happen. We would gladly help have you come do that with us. Okay. So, and if that's not working out for you, that's okay too. God has been really good to us. we got a great team. Uh, I would say that if you would like to make this service happen, you should talk to Nathan. If you'd like to try to figure out how to make the, the mountaintop church service happen, you should talk to Drew. If you'd like to come down to me to the lost place of a thing called Waterville, it's crazy. You know what's crazy about Waterville? Waterville has got an elementary school. Waterville's got a police department. Waterville's got a town hall. Waterville's got a ski resort, a tennis club, a golf course. It's got, I think, six restaurants and like seven bars. You know how many churches Waterville has? Goose egg. A big old goose egg. And God's calling us down there. And what's incredible, this is where you know Holy Spirit's on the move. This is, this is how you know it. Do you know who's been asking for a church in Waterville? And do you know who's been opening the door for a church in Waterville? Meaning like some funds and some like permission to meet? Not believers, not churchgoers. We're talking like GM of the ski resort and we're talking owner of the golf course and people that go, you know what? A church is needed down here. And when I go, really? Why? One answer was, because I ain't going to go to another funeral in the library. That just ain't right. I was like, amen, brother, amen, you know? That was awesome. There is need. What they're saying is, when you look at a town holistically, both economically, emotionally, there is a spiritual need. And when there is not spiritual leadership, it's, it just, it's not good. And so Waterville is asking for that. And so what's going to happen in the future? I don't know. I don't know exactly. All I know is that just up the road here, God has given a very strong and healthy group of people who love him. And it would be, it would be selfish if we did not share with our neighbors down there. And so we're going to share a little bit with them. And that means me going down and running the services. One, it's my gifting. Let's just be honest. It's my gifting to go to a place where I don't know anybody and bring my guitar and learn how to meet everybody right? That's a little bit why we're not sending Nathan or a little bit why we're not sending Drew. Both those guys could go down and do it, but to really operate in the gifting God's called me is to do what I did when I came here in 2012. I don't know anybody. I'm going to walk in with my guitar and be like, hey, all right. So that's why we're doing it. Now, will I stay down there for a really long time in the future? I don't think so. I think the way God is doing this is that he has put Loon Mountain Ministry in a financial position, and in a geographical position to support ski resort ministries throughout New England and the Northeast. If you think about our geographical location, we can help Maine. We can help New Hampshire. 
We can help Vermont, we can help New York, and we can help Mass and Connecticut. And what's incredible is uh, we learned at the Snowboard Skiers for Christ um, gathering that the, the polls are showing right now that the Northeast is the most unchurched region in the United States, and Portland, Maine is the most unchurched uh, city in the, uh, in, in the United States. And so people are just not coming to church anymore. That just doesn't happen. But guess what? They don't have to. We can go to them. Where are they going? Well, there's 300,000 that are skiing at Loon this winter. There's 125,000 that are skiing at Waterville this winter. There is 400,000 that are skiing at Killington this winter, right? There are 18 million that visit the White Mountain region in a year that go to uh, mountaintops. So we can do mountaintop services. We don't need them to come to a church. We don't need to come into four walls. But guess what? I love it when you all come into four walls because I want that. I want my family to sit with you and have Sunday school. I want to sit with you around a table. There's some beautiful things about church. And guess what? When they meet us out there on the mountain, when they meet us where they are, it's inevitable. They follow us back and say, I want to be part of a church community. I want to be part of a family. So if we embrace this, buckle up. Because not only is it going to grow in Waterville, it's going to grow here and it's going to grow in Maine, and it's going to grow in Vermont. But it's going to require us to stretch. And that stretching might mean you might not see me as much in the fall and the spring because I'm traveling to Maine, or I'm traveling to Vermont, or I'm traveling to New York, right? I don't want to do that too soon because guess what I have at home? Little kiddos. And what's so... I used to be able to travel really well when they were this big. That was easy. Traveling with them, well, it was easy because Heidi did the hard work, right? Let's be honest. Now they're this big, it's much harder because they're like, well, dad, I have this on my schedule. They have like social lives now. What is that? Who gave him permission to have that? I didn't, you know, they have social lives now. So we have to respect that. And so that's good. So all that to say, thanks for being part of the team. If you want to talk at all about that, I know I hostile took over this time to talk about this, but I think it was a good time to do it. I would love to grab a coffee with you and listen to your thoughts, concerns, questions, dreams, excitement about what God's doing at Loon Mountain Ministry and where we're going. Cool? I feel like I really didn't have to preach this morning because did you hear what Drew said this morning? Did you catch that? Prepare room? Dude, if we were going to a church south of here, people would be like, oh yeah, amen, preach it, brother. Dude, he just totally mic dropped on a bunch of people that were like, dude, what you had to say this morning about preparing a room for a Christmas tree right? And moving furniture and doing all the frustrating things to prepare, prepare your heart to bring the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords in so that you may sit around his light and it transforms the room. Preach it, dude. That's awesome. I don't have to say nothing now, right? Listen, God's grown this ministry. And when Nathan, Drew, and I are all here, we don't charge extra for three sermons. But if you listen, Nathan gives a sermon in the announcements. Drew's going to give a sermon in the, in the musical part. And then you're stuck with me for a sermon for the, the sermon part, right? It's awesome. We don't charge extra for that. So, but no, that was awesome. And I, I'm just like, and this is, not, this is not saying that Drew's awesome. The Holy Spirit gave him that. And maybe you needed to hear that this morning. Because it is frustrating to put a Christmas tree in your living room. It takes thought. It takes effort. It takes work right? Bringing Christ into your life requires you to move old, dusty furniture. It just does. 
So I would, I would encourage you this Advent season to take that truth, to take that analogy, take it home with you and in the quiet areas of your life. And if you don't have those, it's your fault. If you don't have quiet areas in your life, folks, I'm preaching at you right now. It is your fault because you haven't sharpened your knife and said, no, this is the Sabbath and I am commanded to create quiet space. And in that quiet space, I would take that truth of rearranging some dusty things in your life so that the Lord of Lords, the King of Kings is center and that he would transform your room. Cool. All right, I guess I'll do my sermon now. It's going to be a quick and short one. Today, we lit the candle of peace, right? Peace. And we think of peace as what? If I say the word peace, what comes to mind? Okay, that's peaceful, I guess. <laughs> right? Peace is what? The absence of chaos or the absence of conflict. That's how I always think of peace. But what I learned in my word study about peace in Scripture is it's not that. It's actually that after. But peace is actually the presence or the fulfillment of completion. Peace comes from the word shalom. Shalom is an Old Testament word. And what I think is awesome is shalom is used as a greeting. Shalom, right? And shalom essentially means complete. So architects and uh, contractors of the Old Testament would pick a stone to begin the foundation. And that stone would be shalom. And what they mean by shalom is it would have no cracks, it would have no blemishes, and it would be perfect without having to chisel it, meaning it was naturally perfect. It was complete in and of itself. So that was shalom. Let's take shalom. That, that rock is shalom. We're going to start building on that rock because it's complete. It's whole. And that was shalom. I'm going to have to go to my notes now because I got a lot of Old Testament stuff here. And I don't know the Old Testament as well as I knew the New Testament. And I was going to have some crowd participation, but we are already um, at 11.05. Wow. That's all right. Patriots don't play till 4.25 today. <laughs> And the Bears already played, and the Eagles don't play till tonight. Tomorrow night. The, the, what, what? What? Somebody say something? The who? Oh, sorry. Hey, did you see the thing I put on Facebook with Aaron Rodgers? No, not on Facebook. Okay, I will email it to you because it was really cool. I thought of you when I put it up on Facebook, but now I know that you're not on Facebook. Sorry, guys. We just hijacked to talk about the NFL for a minute. I know. Blasted me to some of you. Okay. Here we go. Shalom also, right, in a greeting, it, it can also refer to how, I'll, I'll, I'll help this with a story. So there was a gentleman named Dr. Bob that went to East Auburn Baptist Church, and that's where we're going for the Christmas Spectacular. And Dr. Bob had like, I don't know how many doctorate in biblical studies, but he was like a very brilliant man when it came to biblical studies. And, when you, and, and you, whenever you talked to him, you felt you'd just talk to Moses, right? One, he was like 150 years old. But also, two, he had that really deep, you know, Morgan Freeman voice. And two, uh, he would ask you really hard questions. So he'd come up and you'd say hi to him. He goes, he'd be like, hey, John, how's your soul today? <laughs> he's like, wow. 
Thought you were going to ask me about the weather or the bears, but you went right for my soul. Okay. <laughs> right? But what he really is saying is this. How is your shalom? And we see it in 1 Samuel chapter 7. So I want you, if you're a scripture person, you should write these down. Joshua 8.31 is where we got the uncut stone in its intent, in its original purpose. That's shalom in Joshua 8.31. 1 Samuel 17 your little David is a boy, and his dad says, hey, I want you to go check in on your brothers on the battlefield. And uh, little David boy runs to the battlefield to check out on his brothers, and his first question to them, hey, brothers, how's your shalom? Is literally how it's translated. How's your shalom? What he's saying is, are you complete? How's your peace? How's your, how's, how's your inner peace is what he's saying. And, we, and what he's referring to there, the Bible refers to shalom is also a, a, a completeness within you. So we all have lives, right? We have emotions. We have physical lives. We have work, career. We have family. We have relationships. There's a lot of pieces to that puzzle, correct? So if you think about your life as in like Legos, right? And you can build this like life out of emotions and careers and relationships and finances and health and, and recreation, right? Shalom is when all of those pieces are in place. And we all know what shalom feels like, right? Ah. But we all know what shalom feels like when we don't have it. What happens to you when someone's angry at you at your work and you can't resolve it because either, right? I know a great example. We were getting out of a, out of a meeting yesterday, right? And the meeting was a little bit tense. Uh, it, had, it, was, it had to do with uh, buildings in town and codes and regulations and blah, blah, blah. Things that I think is ridiculous. Anyway, it got a little bit tense. And as we were leaving, one of the individuals said to another business owner, yeah, that guy's coming for you is what he said. And then he proceeded to walk away. And the guy was like, whoa, what do you mean? What do you mean? What do you mean? He's like, no, I'll talk to you about it later. <laughs> like that just upset that dude's shalom. <laughs> the dude that owns a business that's growing really rapidly in town was told by another guy, that other individual who was making a real stink in this meeting, he's coming for you next. And then walks away from the meeting and says, I'll talk to you about it later. How do you think that business owner's shalom is the rest of the day? Not so good. How is your shalom when you text something to somebody? Or how about this? When you say something that a little bit later you go, ooh, I definitely offended that person. I know I did, but you don't really know. And then you text them and it says delivered, but then you never get a text message back. How's your shalom doing? How's that shalom going? right? Oh, modern technology. Oh, I sent them a Facebook message. Hey, I hope I didn't offend you. I'm so, so sorry. Like I didn't mean to like, you know, I really appreciate you. Do, do, do. And then all of a sudden you see a little picture beside the message that says that they've read it, right? Their little picture says, okay, they've seen this message. And one day turns into two and two day turns into three and three day turns into four. And they haven't written anything back to you. Dude, I love it. All your faces are like, that's shalom. Are you getting it? All right. Are you picking up what I'm putting down? You realize what shalom is now? And we don't, we don't talk about this well. I love the Bible because it talks about what we don't talk about well. So 1 Samuel 17, 
David says to his brothers, how's your shalom? And I'm hoping that you guys take this language into your life and you guys can use biblical language. And I, I want us to ask each other sometimes, hey man, how's your peace? Are you at peace? How's it going? Are you at peace? Are you okay? You all right? You know, and then we ask each other that. Bless you. Okay. All right. This is one of my favorites. Exodus 22.4. Here's another version of shalom. Exodus 22.4 says this. Well, actually, I'm going to tell you a story. Imagine that, right? I know. This is a, this is a pretty crazy story. We just had Thanksgiving, correct? And what did, we, what, do we, what did we eat on Thanksgiving? Yes, thank you. Turkey. Well, uh, in New Sharon, there is a... Sorry, New Sharon. You guys aren't from Maine. There's a town in Maine called New Sharon. And in New Sharon, there is a giant turkey farm. And that's where a lot of your locals go and get your organically free-range, grown, don't-taste-so-great turkey. Let's be honest. A turkey that tastes good, you've pumped it full of fat and corn and grain, you know, roaming around a field. But anyway, Drew has changed my mind, right? He shot a wild turkey a couple years ago, and they deep-fat fried it, and that thing tasted good. Deep-fat fry anything, and it tastes good. Anyway, so... There's a giant turkey farm in New Sharon. And I had a friend that lived on a dirt road through the woods, probably, I don't know, through the woods, maybe like a half a mile to a mile behind the turkey farm, way out in the woods. Well, one day, her Dalmatian got away from the house. And he made his way to the turkey farm. And something inside that Dalmatian clicked. And he became a timber wolf, right? Something inside of him, that call of the wild, you know, that oh, I can be a timber wolf. And he snapped the neck of that first turkey and the warm blood run down his... F and what happened? He proceeded to kill not two, not three, not four, not five, but 40 turkeys. <laughs> And this Dalmatian was no longer riding on a Budweiser, you know, horse-drawn cart. This was the timber wolf he always desired to be. And he just slayed a whole field of wild turkeys. Well, he came home. And can a white Dalmatian hide that he had just massacred 14 turkeys? No, he was red from nose to tail. And do you think that the turkey farm was okay with this Dalmatian just killing a bunch of turkeys? No. And it upset the shalom, okay? And you must restore shalom. And Exodus 22, chapter 4 says, If your animal escapes your property and ruins your neighbor's crops, you must restore shalom by paying for whatever they destroyed. Then shalom will be restored. So, you won't forget that story, will you? Right? That also is shalom, is restoring connectedness, restoring completedness. And we feel that in relationships, right? It doesn't feel good when a relationship is out of shalom. And something must be paid to restore shalom. Now, the same thing has happened between humanity and God. The Bible says, so sin entered the world and death by sin. And the, little tra the literal translation of death there is separation from God right? Separation 
from God is death by sin. So when sin entered the world, right? In the beginning, sin entered the world through Adam and Eve. The Bible is very clear on that. And when sin entered the world, it separated our shalom. It ruined our shalom with God. It says prior to the, to, the, to the decision Adam and Eve made, it says that God walked in the garden in the dew of the day with Adam and Eve. Meaning very intimate, very personal, very deep in relationship. Very complete shalom between God and humanity. But then when sin entered the world and Adam and Eve chose to say that God is wrong and I am right and I will go my own way, they broke shalom. Shalom was broken. And we all know what it feels like to have a relationship break of shalom. Correct? It does not feel good. It doesn't feel good. In, I, in my marriage, it's weird for me, right? Because when shalom is broken in a relationship, I am that annoying person that does everything I can figure out what to do to make it better and actually I make it worse. Like my wife's like, put it down. You are ruining Shalom even more. You ruined it already and now with you trying to overboard, you're just crushing Shalom. So just leave it a bait. My wife's one who restores Shalom slower than I do, right? And so it's hard for me sometimes in our marriage because when Shalom's broken, she's like, yeah, we'll talk about it tomorrow. And I'm like, ah, right? But what about the verse that says, don't go to bed angry? She goes, I'm not angry. I'll talk to you tomorrow. I'm like, ah, <laughs> ah, you know? Wow, that's, that's, pretty, that's pretty good. Anyway, so God was in the same position. Shalom was broken with something that he loved, some being that he loved, humanity. And to restore Shalom, he brought his only son, Jesus. And so all these scriptures that I have from the New Testament is Jesus not only paid the price for Shalom, not only did Jesus say, hey, I will give my life to pay for Shalom, just like my friend had to pay for the 40 turkeys, right? But also, um, right? But also, Brian, he's just saying amen. I know it. Yeah, amen, brother. Amen. You know, um, but not also did he pay, not only with Jesus the payment of shalom, but Jesus also is the shalom. Like he is the peace, okay? So, so here's some things that you should write down too, right? So I told you Romans 5.1 explains how shalom was broken, right? Ephesians 2.14 through 15, he is the shalom. It says he is our peace, right? And then this is what's crazy. So, um, when Jesus it says, it says, what does it look like? Colossians 3, 12 through 14 says this. Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, close yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, patience, bear each with one another, forgive one another, for as grievances, God has forgiven you. Forgive as the Lord forgave you, and over all these virtues put on love, which binds them all together. I got a little ahead of myself. I wanted you to look at your bulletins. Okay? What does shalom look like? Jesus was the price for shalom, okay? Now, Jesus living in us helps us to achieve shalom. This is what shalom looks like. This is cool. The wolf will live with the lamb. The leopard will lie down with the goat. The calf and the lion and the yearling will hang out together. 
and a child will lead them. The cow will feed with the bear, the young will lie down together, and the lion will eat straw like the ox. The infant will play in the cobra's den. The young child will put its hand on a viper's nest. They will neither harm nor destroy all on my holy mountain. That is shalom. It's complete. And in heaven, there is complete shalom. On earth, it is still fragmented. It is still upset. There are still apples falling out of the cart and rolling all over the place. However, Jesus' prayer for you and for me was that we would be the shalom on earth. That as, as on earth as it is in heaven would begin with you and me, right? One, denying ourselves what we want. Saying no to self. Two, saying I am a sinner and I need salvation. Three, grabbing onto that salvation saying, Lord, Holy Spirit, enter my life and you are the shalom. The last verses that I have for you is that Jesus is the gift of peace. Colossians 1 and John 14, 27. For God was pleased to have all His fullness dwell in Him and through Him to reconcile to Himself all things, whether things on earth or things in heaven, by making peace through His blood shed on the cross. Colossians 1, 19 and 20. Making peace through His blood. His blood was the price. His life is the peace. And that's the candle of peace. And that's shalom. And that's where it comes from. So peace is not just the absence of conflict. Right? But peace is when two entities that were once fragmented come together in unity and make the world better. So in the Old Testament, it was two kings that their kingdoms were at war. Shalom was not achieved when they just weren't at war anymore. That's just ceasing war. The word shalom, peace, is when those two kingdoms stopped fighting, came together, and worked together to create crops for those who were hungry, to create jobs for those who didn't, to create safety for those who were oppressed. Does that make sense? So, you and I both were broken relationship with God. Jesus paid, made peace with us and God, and no longer, it's not peace. You do not have shalom with God if you and him are just no longer fighting or you and him are just no longer separate because Jesus gave his life and now I'm all set. I got, I've got hell insurance or I've got heaven insurance. I've got life insurance. I'm all set. I don't think about it anymore. I pay once a month when I go to church and I put a little in the offering. So my life insurance policy is covered. That's not shalom. Shalom is uniting with God to make earth heaven. That's shalom. We are to make heaven now, the Bible says. We aren't to just take on the Holy Spirit and say, oh, this place is going to hell in a handbasket and I just can't wait till we die someday so we can go to heaven. No, that's laziness. Uniting with God to bring shalom here on earth. Jesus, we thank you so much for your truth. We thank you so much uh, for your message. We thank you, Jesus, for your gift of shalom. And uh, Lord, uh, in all of our ramblings here, my ramblings up here, I ask by the power of your Holy Spirit that truth would come from this. For it was your word. It's your word. Uh, we love you, God. We thank you for this town. We thank you for our homes. And Lord, I know that the enemy would give anything to disrupt the shalom. Whether it's by complete chaos, and we're talking 
you know, disease and, 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 and relationship breakups and financial woes. But also, Lord, I know the enemy would love to do it discreetly. And that's by putting way too much faith in religion and putting way too much faith in our finances or way too much faith in our health and, 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 and completely missing the idea that we are to bring shalom here on earth. Thank you for this time that we can hang out together. Thank you for the new snow and the bright sun. Lord, we ask that it would be cold so we can get more snow on Monday, Tuesday. In your name we pray, amen.